Hi, everybody. Welcome to the latest edition of Bali. I'm Carolyn April, and as always, looking for my good friend Seth, Seth Robinson. Where are you? I'm here. How are you doing? I'm doing pretty well. Pretty well. Survived a week of incredibly cold temperatures. It was just horrible to go outside this week. Um, not snowy or inclement weather. It was just freezing. It was Siberian cold. We had some of that here. I'm sure we sent it to you like we normally do. You do. Um, But actually, Monday, before it got really cold, I was with my son in Ann Arbor looking at college, and it was snowing pretty heavily. And I was like, let's get out of here. So we finished the tour, and we get out of there, and it was pretty bad. There were like four wrecks within like a three- or five-mile span, and it just took us forever. You know, it was supposed to be a four-hour drive, and it took six hours. But we we got home. And the, the roads weren't that bad. It was just, you know, the few few people had, you know, caused bang-ups or whatever. Got home, and the next day I saw that Ann Arbor had ended up getting 11 inches of snow. And so I ended up feeling like I dodged a bullet by getting out of there. Yeah, you could so. have even staying there overnight. Yeah. Probably. I'm sure all the, the, the accident or, you know, activity was due to the fact that people had no idea it was going to snow like that and weren't prepared yet. So we're kind of early in the season. Yeah, it's kind of the first one of the season. People always, I don't know if they just forget what it's like or they think maybe, you know, the 2019 snow is going to be a little less slippery than the year before. But uh, <laughs> they go out there and, I mean, it was, some of yeah. them were just really, really awful looking. But Well, hopefully everybody's okay. Yes. Okay. Well, we are almost to the end of the year, and uh, we've done something a little different this year with our IT industry outlook that we are able to really talk about it now because we're publishing it now, correct? And we usually publish it in January. That's right. So we we did a whole redesign. I think we were kind of alluding to this on a previous episode, but yes. we, we did a kind of a whole facelift on it and uh, redesigned the format, which we're going to talk about, and also got it out a little earlier. So... It is getting published today. It should be live right now on comptia.org, and people can go out, check it out, and uh, see what we're thinking about the upcoming year. Yeah, it's pretty exciting. I think it. it I think it's going to be a nice change to have you know, have the topics around trends, which are kind of predictive uh, for the future, come out before the year, the calendar year turns, and so we can start thinking about things that are going to be happening in 2020 before it actually is 2020. Yeah, I'm I'm excited. I, I usually we get a lot of play out of this. We we'll yes. we'll do presentations on it for like the next six months. But I I think it'll be especially fun to see in this end of the year window uh, if that kind of changes the pickup or the the reception that we have. Totally agree. So it'll be fun to see how it's received. Yeah, and uh, so I thought for Volley, we would just kind of walk through the four sections of the report, some of which are kind of the same, and some of which are are a little newer. So. The, the first one, like we've mentioned, is around the trends that we see coming. We've got 10 trends for the upcoming year. They cover a lot of different topics, but I thought I'd ask you, just name one. What's your, what's your favorite one that we had this year? I like the topic around workforce diversity. Um, and the reason is, I think we've approached it in a multifaceted way. So when most people talk about workforce diversity, and I have done research studies on this very specifically, uh, as it pertains to the IT industry, is um, we're talking about people, the, the makeup of, of people based on race and gender and age and all the different demographic kind of breakdowns that you can do. And it's no secret in our industry in particular 
the tech industry isn't the most diverse when it comes to um, it comes to variations in in, in humans, uh, and and that's something that a lot of people in the industry have been very aware of. There's been a lot of work done, and and that's encouraging. Um, you see more and more companies who are you know employing diversity officers uh, who are tasked with trying to find more creative ways to branch out and make their workforce. Uh, less male and less white, to be perfectly frank. And that's not a knock on white men, uh, Seth, but it's just a reality that it does you know, different viewpoints, different ways to approach problems, different ways to approach innovation. Those are enhanced when you have a more diverse workforce. But what I like about our turn even more is that we're talking about not just the people, we're talking about the skills that they have. And I think you can talk about this a little bit as well. We need a more diverse, we need, need diversity of skills. Uh, as technology grows more and more complex and sophisticated, companies are finding that baseline skills are not all we need. But that comes with uh, casting a wide net, uh, so to speak, for the type of people that have very niche skills versus generalists uh, in some cases. But that's going to be a, an issue that many companies going forward next year and beyond are going to be facing is how to increase the diversity of skills within their organization. Because the way that technology is being used today in organizations is is far more complex. There's so many more moving parts, right? Right, right. I, I agree with you that I liked our approach on that one because there's a lot that could still be said about diversity in the way that most people would think of it. You know, we, we certainly don't want to give the impression that because of some of the progress that we've seen, we think that things are, are solved or even close to solved. We, you know, we think that there's a long way to go. But we are seeing some some progress in those areas, and a lot of companies are are focusing on it a lot more. But then we went into the skills, like you said, and and there just needs to be a real different way of thinking about the IT professionals, you know, the people that are working on technology, maybe even the people that aren't pure technology workers, but need to have some technology in their jobs. There there needs to be different ways of thinking about that, and to bring it full circle, kind of back to societal impact and being able to build these products for a global diverse population, there needs to be thinking about ethical ramifications and, and how technology might have ripple effects. Uh, and, and that's another angle on diversity that we didn't highlight as much uh, in the trend, but is, is certainly present and needs to be considered by, by companies as they're building their workforce. No, that's super important. Um, and I think we touch upon that ethical consideration in some of the other trends through the AI trend that we have and some of the others. But the other thing I wanted to point out is how the role of IT has changed as such that it is no longer just having those hard skills and technical skills. But one of the things we do highlight in this particular trend is the need to be able to find people with soft skills. It's increasingly important for those employees who are uh, dealing in technology in your organization to also be able to have good communication skills, understand how to collaborate well and uh, foster teamwork across different departments. Um, that's critically important now. It's not just about whether you're a really good coder, or whether you understand how to do data analysis, but it's important that you are now having some of those really important soft skills. Maybe one of our uh, trends for, for next year can be to see if we figure out a new name for that. I'm sure you know that some people don't quite like the name soft skills. They feel like that maybe that means that they're less important, which, you know, to your point, they're, they're not. But no one's really been able to come up with a, a better name. I, you know, I've heard employability skills. I just heard the other day power skills. 
one way or another, we're talking about non-technical skills here. This sounds like a CompTIA contest, a naming mm. contest. We, we do those sometimes. I, I, I could see this happening across our organization. Yeah, for sure. Well, I was going to ask you what kind of trend you were thinking about. Oh, uh, you know, the, the one that I like that we won't dive into too much here, I, I think, is we, we talked about tech washing that, that a lot of companies have said, you know, we're a technology company now, or, or we kind of say within the industry, every company is a technology company. But that doesn't mean that your output is technology. Your, your output is still the thing that you've always had as part of your business. And when that's your output, then there are certain financial ramifications around that. You know, there are certain business models that work and don't work and profit margins. There are certain regulations that have to be followed. And you can't just say, you know, we're a technology company. And so I think that there will be a little bit of getting back to basics. Uh, and, and yeah, we, we unpacked that a little bit with the, with the first trend that we have. Yeah, um, it's a good one. And I know this was a trend that you came up with. But I think the thing that I took away from it is that simply deploying technology and um, slapping a technology label on your company, even though you do something else as your mission critical industry, you're, you know, a transportation company, you are some sort of manufacturing company, means that you need to internally, even though you are calling yourself a tech company, really figure out how to use that technology in an integrated, holistic way within your organization. Um, and you really can't change the label of what you actually do. Right. Right. So beyond the trends, the next section that we have is kind of our standard one, just looking at the size and shape of the industry uh, using the methodology that we've had for the past few years. Uh, we came up with a projection of 3.7% growth. Um, that's, I think, in line with what you know we're seeing from other research firms and other people that are analyzing the the environment. Mm -hmm. And the 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 takeaway that I have from that is almost when we when we think about the the impact that technology is having and and the fact that the the top five companies in the world by market cap are now technology firms and and true technology firms, not like you know the ones that we were just talking about. Uh, you'd almost expect maybe for, for growth to be a little bit more dramatic, but this is almost a sign that the industry is, is maybe even more mature than some people might sometimes think it is that, you know, we're not seeing dynamic growth, certainly not across the board. You've got dynamic growth in emerging technology areas, but in the more traditional areas, the growth is, is much more steady. So I, I think that thinking about the fact that growth doesn't necessarily correlate with the impact that the industry is having should really give a lot of firms pause and and make them think about, you know, this isn't just going to be a, an easy money grab just because everyone's going after technology. The the financial situation still makes it such that you, you have to think about the basics of your business. You really have to invest in that in order to capitalize and realize some of the growth. That gets also to the point that we're making about thinking about the, the impact of, of the solutions that you're putting out there. Um, I think all of that ties into business model. And it's, it's not a, a simple equation of just saying, well, because everyone's going into technology, this is going to be like taking candy from a baby. There, there's a lot of rigor that has to go into thinking about the business. And, and a lot of companies may not have done that before. And they, they have to think a little bit more about their product portfolio and their marketing and the skills that they have on board. Uh, and, and there's going to be hard work in realizing the benefits, even though everyone's talking about it. 
Yeah, it kind of reminds me, and this dates me, but of sort of the whole dot-com boom that we had where there was so much technology being slapped uh, slapped together and thrown out there with incredible excitement and, you know, raising tons and tons of money without an actual product necessarily existing to take to market yet. Um, and, And there was rapid growth, right? And I think we have have really reached a point and the numbers that we have in our report show this that the the industry itself is maturing so where's the, the next place to go is to be able to exploit and take the greatest advantage of the technologies that you have deployed in your within your organization how to make them optimized and work the best to grow your own business um, but that the industry itself may be hitting a little bit of a plateau and i think we we kind of have our feet in two different places right now the you know traditional infrastructure um, which is still so critically important, and we probably haven't fully optimized with, within every company. And then our hopes and dreams for the emerging tech market, which is everybody's got their eye on, and that may, you know, go on a, a fast upward trajectory at some point. But right now, I don't think. I think we've got literally we're sitting on a fence where we've got one leg on one side and one leg on the other. Yeah, and I I think that one thing that companies need to do is think more about how they're exploring that cutting edge um, because mm-hmm. a lot of companies have not had you know innovation labs or experimental groups that are just out there exploring and, and bringing it back into the business. A lot of companies have kind of waited for things to be ready for prime time and then they adopt them. And that is is not a model that you know will will lead to dramatic growth uh, and so if companies are looking for dramatic growth then they're going to have to figure out how to be a little more innovative in the way that they explore new technologies exactly you know and from a channel perspective i'll just put an endpoint on this one it isn't necessarily about what new technologies they adopt their growth may come from different places for example changing their business model or specializing for instance and becoming an expert in a particular vertical industry that doesn't necessarily mean that they are going to be adopting a whole bunch of new technologies so it may not be growth for uh, a, a technology product but it may be growth for that particular channel organization because they've learned to specialize and and draw dollars out of a, a different industry uh, or change their business model. Well, that leads into, I think, the final two sections, which are some of the old, some of the new. Uh, for, for this year, we really focused on our two primary audiences of IT professionals and technology firms. We, we've never really focused uh, very much on IT professionals with this survey. And we have done uh, quite a bit on on technology firms, but I think this year with the structure, it really allowed us to highlight some of the issues that they're that they're facing. And so you and I each did separate surveys, and we brought it in, and and these two sections hold the analysis. And from an IT pro perspective, I looked a lot at uh, how companies were going to place their priorities across the IT framework that we've described of infrastructure development, data, and security. And I think in looking at those priorities and looking at the skills that companies said they wanted to build, we continue to see this trend that we've seen a lot and and discussed quite a bit here on the podcast that the people working with technology still need an incredibly strong foundation and most of their day-to-day work is taken up with the traditional pieces of networking, storage, compute. 
uh, and then they're trying to look out on the horizon and bring those pieces in, but it has to be on top of that foundation. Uh, and, and so for a lot of these technologists and people working in IT departments and even the technology people that are working in, in channel firms, they, they still spend so much of their time building their skills and, and evolving their skills around these foundational areas, and that's what then allows them to grow into adjacent areas in the emerging technology trends. Uh, and it's, it's not quite the situation that companies are just going to go out there and get an AI specialist and plug them in or go get a blockchain specialist and have them building all new data structures. These things are really being layered on top of so much uh, architecture that's already out there. So would you say that you know the fundamentals are in good shape among most organizations today or they are in, in discrete buckets, but they haven't been integrated in, in a holistic way, which is something you talk about so much. I mean, I'm asking is kind of size up where you think a lot of companies are there. Because we are we are talking so much about emerging tech and it's sort of like, do we should we be diving into all that stuff? Are we still kind of in disarray at the foundational level? I, I don't think we're in disarray, but I, I think that understanding where we are at the foundational level is what really provides a good base for moving into emerging technology. So, so we see not as many companies saying that they're going to prioritize infrastructure in the coming year, which makes sense because that's what they've been focused on for decades and that it's in pretty good shape. And obviously, networks need to be upgraded. Storage architectures need to be decided whether it's going to be on-prem or in the cloud or some mix of both. All of those things are still happening, but it's it's not necessarily the top priority. The, the, the top priority, at least in the U.S., is around software development, uh, which is a traditional area, but one that's evolving quickly You know, as AI comes into the picture and as more and more companies are trying to do custom things with their software. I, I think those two areas are the ones that probably have the strongest foundation, but then data and security are areas that have typically been kind of embedded within infrastructure or software development. And those two areas probably need a little bit more focus. I think companies need to do a little bit more around deciding what's our management practices here? What are our policies around data, around security? Those those two areas are a little bit more nascent, and, and getting those under control will really establish that foundation for moving into big data or IoT or AI or blockchain or new 5G applications or whatever it might be. Yeah, I know you've advocated, and it's in one of the trends, um, moving cybersecurity outside of the IT function and having it be in its own business function within an organization because it is that critical that... Uh, and that, and that immediately would elevate it in in terms of its um, importance and priority. If it's no longer under the umbrella of all IT, it is now its own discrete um, function within within a business. And I completely agree with that. And and perhaps data is in the same. You should be put in the same category. Somewhat, you know. And I I think that you know both of those. There, there's no right one way to do it. You know, obviously with security, people are going to continue leaning on outside firms. You know, we've talked a lot about what exactly it means to be a managed security services provider. Uh, and, and I think there's a lot of evolution that can still happen there. With data, the same thing can happen with outsourcing. But the other thing that tends to happen is 
that data really gets spread throughout the organization. And you've obviously got business units that are trying to understand their own data. Uh, and, and you want all of that data to be gathered together, but each individual department is kind of going to have its need, you know, its desire to put a spin on it and put some analysis and understand how they can uh, advance their operations. So I, I think there are some challenges there uh, in both of those areas. And yeah, we definitely don't see, you know, companies building what we would think would be kind of a, a modern structural approach across all four of the areas. I think that's a good segue into the last section that we have in the report this year, which is a focus on um, technology firms themselves, uh, chiefly IT firms that work in, in the indirect channel, but also um, vendors and other uh, purveyors of, of different products and services within uh, within the channel and within the industry at large. And the thing that I wanted to highlight is just how complex the nature of technology has become and the nature of customer preferences within um, within how they deal with a provider and how that is impacting um, those providers and how they're going to interact with customers, how they're going to develop the right skills in order to take on all of these new technologies plus fully master the ones that they've been selling in the first place. Um, there's still struggles with business models. A lot, a lot of these issues are perennial, but I think what, what I'm seeing in the marketplace, at least with tech firms, especially small channel firms, is there's, an, there's a bit of being overwhelmed with complexity and then having to make decisions as a triage that's going on about where you're going to place your bets. So are you going to just continue to be a horizontally focused infrastructure player and maybe partner with a newer type channel firm that does applications or and just you don't have to develop that skill organically at all? Um, are you going to decide to become very specialized, be, be that with a, a particular vertical or a particular technology or a particular customer demographic that you focus on exclusively? Um, and those decisions are being made all under, you know, under the confines of budget and resource constraint, which a lot of these small companies have. We've had a great economy. It is, you know, no doubt. Um, but small is small. And a lot of these companies uh, are grapple with making big changes in a com complex environment with um, their wallet not being the largest that it could be. So it's 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 difficult time. I think there's great opportunity, and I, I've given a couple talks on this. So there's a lot of opportunity. It's, it's an exciting time to be in the IT channel, but there's there's this there's a bit of caution going on right now. In dealing with customers, how much are you seeing? Uh, some of these smaller channel firms really understand what they need to do in order to establish themselves as a, a true authority. Uh, you know, we, we've sometimes tossed around the term trusted advisor. I know some people like that, some people don't. But I, I think that there is an authority that's that's needed here that's probably a little bit more difficult to grasp than it was in the past because the customers are becoming much more tech savvy. And we're not talking about just delivering a product that they need and then supporting that product. We're talking about assisting them with their overall strategy and helping them figure out which of these emerging technologies might make sense to achieve their goals and, and how it all integrates together. And, and I think that that's a new thing for the customers, but it's a new thing for the solution providers as well. And I'm just wondering how mm -hmm. much they recognize that and, and what some of the steps are that they're taking to try to build some of that authority that they can go to their customers with. Well, with respect to the customer, I think 
a little knowledge can be dangerous. And I think that's part of what is going on where the you say customers are more tech savvy. Yes, they are. I think society is more tech savvy. Um, but they're not tech savvy to the degree that they are actual technologists and experts. And so um, I think I've heard, you know, channel companies say, oh, my customers come to me and they start spouting this jargon and that jargon and why aren't we doing this? But you lift up the the hood and you they, don't, they really don't know, you know, the, the actual um, things that need to be done with respect to those technologies or whether or not their organization is a good fit for that technology or service. So I think a little bit of customer education is a good way to, um, to endear yourself uh, in the marketplace. So I think if you're a channel firm, it's a good idea to be able to go in and, and be able to be an educator, um, help customers make business decisions. I think that's important. And I think one of the things that we see within a lot of our studies lately is it's extremely important to stop having a technology discussion per se. And I mean, speeds, feeds and all of that when you go in and be able to actually recognize the customer's business. And so if you know exactly what's up with this retail business or this hair salon or this, you know, manufacturing firm, and you can understand the type of solutions that would work for them, but not just the solutions, but what their problems are. I think it really comes down to, and we say soft skills and stuff, but it's really important, I think, now for channel firms to become more consultative. And and, and that's going to help position them for the future is being able to predict out into the future what their customers are going to need, especially customers who are seeking to grow. It's like, you're good right now. But in two years, if you're looking for X percent growth, you're going to need to do this to your environment. You're going to need to add this to your environment. And so being able to be consultative, I think, is going to be the key going forward instead of, as you've said, just being sort of a transactional seller who's just going in and selling a product. It's really building a consulting relationship that positions you as the expert. Very good. Yeah. Well, my friend, congratulations. We made it. We did our, it. Our new says, report hey, out. We, this was a goal, and we did it this year. I'm so happy. Yeah, I'm very excited to see, like I said before, how this uh, how this plays out now that we've uh, changed things up a little bit. So, yeah, me too. Again, hey, we're getting, we're getting it out uh, before Thanksgiving, so that's good. So it'll get some mileage, you know, before January rolls around. Yeah, yeah, that's, that's the hope, right? It is. It is. So, where can people get this? Um, All right. Yeah, so go out to comptia.org. If you haven't been there in a while, you'll see that we've redesigned the site and we've got a whole new resources section. Uh, and the, the resources are split into different areas uh, and you can find this in the business of technology section or the IT workforce section. Uh, so please go check it out and uh, we'd love to hear your feedback. Great. Well, my friend, you have a great weekend. All right, you too. And we'll talk to you next time. Sounds good. Bye. Right, bye.